Welcome to our first podcast of 2023. You're back with It's the People Stupid. And our first topic to kickstart the year is recruitment. The early months of the year are known for being key months for recruitment for several reasons. Employees have had a couple of weeks off work and perhaps had a chance to reflect on their careers and how happy or satisfied they are. So they may resign and or look for other potential jobs. Or perhaps performance appraisals at the end of the previous year didn't go so well and now the company has some vacancies to fill. It's possible that companies have heeded our advice and prepared a recruitment strategy that starts in the new year to be proactive in their search for the best talent. To talk further about this topic, I was delighted to catch up with a genuine recruitment expert and guru, Angela Cripps. Angela has over 30 years experience within the recruitment sector and has worked all over the world in some 25 countries. She's worked with hundreds of different organisations and she was willing to share her expertise with us. Firstly, I'm delighted to welcome you. Thanks, Angela. My pleasure. Looking forward to this. Excellent. Well, the, the starting point for me is, is the early part of the uh, a key time for recruiters and for businesses to be recruiting? Or um, is it a bit more difficult as a result of it being focused on? I, I think the answer is yes to both of those, actually. And for me, as a, as a recruiter, when I was actually uh, operational, you would find that December was really, really hard to get anything going. So it's not just that January is a focus, it's the fact that December isn't. So you then have two months worth of recruitment trying to get done in a couple of weeks. And some people are very organised and they get started and they come in the first week and everything's ready to go because they have got themselves sorted in December. Others will then take another two, three weeks before anything happens. And as we know with recruitment, it, you can do it in a day. It's very, very unlikely. Uh, so I've done that a couple of times myself. It's like the holy grail of recruitment. You're coming in the morning. There's a job to be filled. You get interviews booked in the afternoon. You make an offer by the by the evening. They start the next day. So, I mean, you can do that. But unfortunately, it usually takes a lot more organisation. And what's important is that you're also fitting it in with your workforce planning for the company. And that's another reason why January tends to be quite busy. It's either the first month of the year or it's that last quarter. A lot of companies will be calendar or financial years. So the last quarter, again, is a, for some companies, it's about using up the budgets mm. and making sure that they actually um, have the headcount that they need. For, for others, it's then looking at that for the jump start for their next year. So either way, you've got a bit of a perfect storm at the beginning of the year where everyone's trying to recruit. And that then comes to your second point that that then can be difficult because of the supply and demand situation. Now, we've got 1.2 million jobs outstanding in the UK at the moment, and it's been around that level between a million, million two for the last 18 months. Mm. So actually, it's not this January that's hard, it's every month um, to try and find those great people to join your businesses that potentially, depending on what's gonna happen, no one really knows what's gonna happen this year, do we? But if it does get into dark times, there will be people on the market that wouldn't have been, um, that could be very experienced and really helpful to a business. So there could be brighter times ahead for recruitment, even if the businesses and the economy might not be so bright. 
I think, uh, thank you for that. I think it's interesting, that whole idea of, yes, you've got the condensed start of the year of two months or at least a month and a half in one at the beginning because of December and Christmas and the new year and all of those things. And then, as you say, that bit of it's the start of many businesses, uh, financial year or business year and the end of some businesses, as you say, using budgets. Uh, I think one of the things that is really valuable for us today and for our audience is really about how um, you can help and advice you can give to people around this. And the numbers you said, I'm very aware of the, the 1.2 million um, vacancies and the fact that we've clearly got a, a, a chronic skills shortage worldwide, which I think uh, certainly whatever the business world is like this year i don't think anyone's anticipating that it's necessarily going to be mass restructures and redundancies because people are so important it will have to be focuses in a different area but within that really competitive marketplace of there's lots of vacancies and lots of people fighting for the same person what would be really interesting to explore is how important you think employer brand is when recruiting and how does a business really win that battle of i guess showing potential recruits that they genuinely are a business that's worth joining yeah so there's lots to this so i'm glad we've got a bit of time <laughs> <laughs> so yes employer brand um and again this is where the, the information is out there so if you've got you're attracting individuals to your company then they are going to be looking at your Glassdoor reviews, your Google reviews, um, your LinkedIn and what, what engagement you're getting. All of that social media is, is really critical. So if you are not utilizing that to your best advantage, that should be a starting point. But we all know people work for people mm. and people will leave a lot of the time. I think this was a Malcolm study many years ago. 63% of people um, are leaving their jobs because of the management and mm. the management style. And I don't think that's changed. I've, I've certainly seen a lot more conversations about that in the last year. So it's individual brands as well that people need to be aware of and they need to make sure that they're actually portraying themselves in the way that they want to be portrayed. And that needs to be an honest portrayal. I'm glad to see over the last two, three years of, of all the experiences that we've all gone through, um, the, the authenticity of who you are and what you're all about is actually much more powerful than trying to be flash and <laughs> get everything out there. So yes, you want your company to look great and their website to look great. And certainly easy is better than looking great. So if you've got less clicks to be able to apply to you, uh, if, you've, if you've made it easy for people to know what they've got to do, then again, these are all simple things that you could look at. So we always say whether you're a recruitment agency or if you're a hiring manager in a company, go through the process yourself. When you're recruiting, go through that process, apply for the job and just see where the glitches are, how long it takes or what the frustrations are so that you can experience it for yourself. And usually that will make quite drastic changes uh, to make it easier for the candidate to find you and to make sure that uh, it's a positive experience because as soon as they have to click again, click again, you lose them through the process. So that would be a good starting point. And of course that branding along the way. Once they actually get to know you and are aware of you, then it's about making sure the messages um, are positive from everyone within the team, because they are going to then start looking at other people. They may have connections through LinkedIn. They may ask people what they think. So you can't just do it on a website. You can't just have this wonderful video and this is us and here we go. And everyone was dressed up for the day and everyone's smiling and saying things. 
it's got to be real. Um, so if you haven't got a great culture within your business or your team, because again, you can have totally different culture in a team to a business, maybe start on that and make sure that you are working on that whilst you are recruiting. Um, I am happy to share if, if, if there's opportunity for resources. I created what I call the people plan with all the elements to help with employee engagement, with attracting and retaining staff, uh, making sure the onboarding process is right, that there's performance management to get the best out of people, that they've got opportunity to be promoted. And if you could share that as part of your interviewing process, part of your advertising, that this is what we work to and here's all the elements we've got already and maybe this is what we're working on this year, because again, being honest, we've not perfect, we've still got more to do. Um, having a new engagement strategy every year that's written down. What is it that we do as a business to make sure that people are happy working here? Um, and then having those short videos. Uh, again, they tend to be, I was just on a marketing um, webinar just now, and those short videos on your phone, um, all over social media and different elements are actually getting the, the biggest take up. So whether that's Facebook or even TikTok, we've got a TikTok now, we've done no dancing. <laughs> So just to put that out there, you don't have to do the dancing. It's more about sharing who you are. So lots of different avenues to mm. get seen, but make sure it's real. Don't don't try and fake it. And and I mean, I, we, I see some of these people and they've hired the Bugatti for the day and it all looks amazing and they, they've got things, but it's not real. And the reality obviously is someone does start working for you or through the interview process. And as soon as they pick up on any of that, they're going to be gone. Yeah, I think you've covered a lot of really key points there for me. I lo I think the auth authenticity is just fundamentally what it's about for me, if you like. There are so many facets to this, but I think you've got a very um, articulate workforce and a very talented one who have a lot of tools at their disposal mm -hmm. to, to, to establish whether someone is genuine. And I, I know we live in a very cynical world and you've got lots of businesses. So greenwashing, I saw this morning in the news that um, I think all over the UK and Europe, there are a whole load of adverts put up aimed at Toyota and BMW basically saying you're greenwashing and mm. it was a spoof of their ads. That was a new tactic from obviously the green um, active groups but it's that whole idea of people will scratch the surface very quickly and mm. find out if it's real or not and that's the fundamental and i guess as an employer um you've simply got to start haven't you sometimes you'll be maybe an old-fashioned business that is very control-based and they've got to evolve into something that's a lot more current and a lot more in engaging and inclusive and that doesn't happen overnight so i suppose that you'll find people at all different stages but they got to work towards being honest so i suppose if you're not there being honest is we're not there yet but we're working on it and it is a big project and a big commitment rather than just having the badges to say that we are doing this or mm. we've ticked a few boxes um you mentioned something that's really interesting to me because uh, it comes up very often you mentioned glass door reviews because as a nation uh, and naturally a lot of people's inclination is to use opportunities to say bad things about people who they've fallen out with and Glassdoor is obviously one of those tools where disgruntled ex-employees often vent their frustrations that's quite hard for you know that can happen in any situation even in the best employer in the world um how how significant do you think things like that are to candidates in the in the process where, where does that sort of review point sit 
Yeah, yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit like when I'm booking a holiday and I look at a hotel. I'm going to go to those negative, the ones that's called, first of all, and I want to get a sense of it and how many there are. But this is where your due diligence comes in, because that's exactly what happens. And we all know that. So go in with that premise, look at the dates when the person's left the review, look at their LinkedIn, when did they leave? Okay, this is someone that has left. So I'm going to take that to start with. What's important for me is whether the employer has replied. And it's the same with Google reviews and all those. Are they actually engaging with these people? Are they interested in their story? Have they given their side of the story in any way, shape or form if they can? You don't want to tit for tat, but you certainly want, we've looked at our details. You've never actually worked for us. You know, some of those where it's like, okay, yeah, these people, for whatever reason, do go out there and, and cause mischief. So you end up down a bit of a rabbit hole but if you're thinking of working for a company then do your due diligence so look at those is there a theme is there an essence that it's a a couple of people but actually when you look at it they were only worked there three months how much did they really get get to know there um and you've got two sides to a story if they worked there for 10 years and then said it i'm going to put a lot more credence to that but i'll look at those and then i'll go to the positives um, and again, see, do these outweigh, have they been replied to as well? Or was it a company exercise where everyone, all the dates are the same, everyone was told, look, <laughs> we need to get our scores up. Um, or are they over different periods of time with different people? So it's, it's that type of thing. You can, this, this is what a recruiter does. It's about the detail. It's not about the initial impression. When you're recruiting someone, you have to dig deeper. You cannot ask one question and accept that answer. The likelihood is the candidate has been prepared for that. If it's a competency-based question, they've got one great example that they're using. It may not be them. So it's it's about the follow-up questions. It's about the probing. And it's exactly the same when you're looking at that type of information online. Um, there's lots going on in the world at the moment. And my recruiter skills, I'm forever digging, cross-referencing, looking at other opinions and then making a decision rather than just that one thing that someone sent me going, oh my God, look at this and this is how they are. And then I've gone off and done some research and gone to some reliable sources and come back with, okay, here's four things that counter that. Have you actually considered the other side? And then they're like, oh, okay, maybe it's not true. I think that's really, really valuable. It's interesting that you your comment around replying to I, I totally agree with you not getting in for a tit for tat discussion with someone who's left but I think the fact that you've bothered to reply is really powerful I've certainly come across people who actually get so paranoid about Glassdoor because they view it as such a, a volatile and dangerous thing for them whereas it's it's not it's it's a platform and you know replying or as you say you know people will do their due diligence and make their own decisions so um yeah, that's a, a very valuable piece of advice. And, and what do you think goes into making a good company brand? We talked about this authenticity. What 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 do you think that candidates are really looking for? What do businesses need to be doing to stand out and be someone that people will take seriously? For me, the brand has to come from the values. So what are the company values? And, I, and I'm not talking about a marketing company that's come in and looked at the people and gone, this is what you should be. It's come from the individual. So when I work with a, um, a business, I'll get the directors or the owners to do 
the vision setting um, session for themselves. They then get their teams to do it as well, and they all contribute towards a vision. But through that exercise, there are key words that get repeated. And the ones that get repeated the most from everyone in the business, true democracy here, they're the values. They're the company's values. That's what people live and breathe and do, and that's what they're experiencing. So do that rather than trying to enforce them on people. Now, the director gets the final say, um, and of course, they want their business to be reflective of them and what's important to them. And I'll just share this. I did it with a company in, in Harrow last year, 15 people in the team. Director had done it first. So she had all her top um, values, what were important to her. And then we did all 15, collated them all together, got the top scores. And there were, there were seven that came out top. And when she looked at her list, so an average from 15 people, they were her seven. And we all got goosebumps <laughs> because that team totally reflected who she was and what they were all about and wasn't part. I've not had it where it's been perfect like that before. Usually there's four or five that mm. are part of their list, but to have all seven, exactly her, her highest scoring ones um, showed that was a truly authentic business. And that was their brand. That's who they are and what they're about. So they can use those words in all of their social media marketing and when they discuss and through their recruitment. And of course they can get individuals to also then do their personal values and identify what's most important to them. And they can then reference that while they're interviewing. So what is your company values? What are the personal values in the team? And then as soon as you get an interview with a new person looking to join, make that one of the exercises. It takes five, 10 minutes, the exercise. It's literally pretty much a tick box exercise and, and adding up the scores. And that then will show you, because you want diversity. I'm so glad you said that. And that diversity linked with the authenticity, it's not another exercise where you're, you're putting pictures on your websites and you're pretending. Um, the, the key is it's got to come from above. It's got to be throughout the business and there has to be action. There has to be activities to make sure it continually improves. It's not a one thing, that's it, we're done. <laughs> We, 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 we have equity and inclusion in, in our recruitment process. It's got to go through their whole lifespan with that company. So being able to do that and base it around values, you want as much diversity as possible in your business. We always say people buy from people and we tend to people like people like themselves. So you do tend to attract people and recruit people, unfortunately, that you would really like. And that's not the best for your team. It's about identifying those strengths within the team. Where are the gaps? That's what we need. Where are we going to find that? How can we get as diverse as possible? Because then all those ideas that are coming in are going to make a big difference. And that's where you get a high performing team where they've all got different skill sets and knowledge and experience, but their values are the same. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your experience is. It's about what your values are, what is important to you, and therefore what commitment are you going to give to this team and this company? And from there, you can then build on that. Um, but we've all seen it where we've had someone come into the business, they might be the best at what they do, but their values are different. And it just really causes <laughs> in, 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 uh, problems within the team. And there's usually conflict. And it's a really hard decision to make them where you have got that in a team because they probably are a very high performer. They're just making everyone else low performers because of the way that 
they're interacting. So uh, yeah, sometimes you're better off without that person. Don't bring them in in the first place. I think, um, again, it goes back to that authenticity and being truthful, being real. And actually, that's what's going to stand out to anyone as a potential candidate. Uh, more than anything else, I think it's that genuineness, as you say, the values. It's not a marketing exercise. I think it, it often used to be seen as that it's it, everything has to be um, something they could, a business can demonstrate and prove that they they, they live by. That's really important. So um, thanks. for that. You've touched on something that I'm going to come on to in a moment. But before I do, I wanted to also ask you about how how businesses can stand out as a you know as a recruiter in this crowded market as we discussed mil, million plus vacancies mm. lots of people fighting for the same talent obviously areas of real competition so it and certain professional services skills really in high demand at the moment how how would our, our target audience is generally smes so we're talking about smaller businesses how do those organizations make themselves stand out in the marketplace what can they do from an attraction point of view I think the first point they need to look at is where are they losing out? So what is it that's missing as to why they may not be getting those people? Because it could be something they may not have even considered. A lot of the time, my, my market's SMEs as well. And a lot of the time it's like, well, we can't go up against the big corporates uh, because they've got this, that and the other. Now, I've worked for corporates and um, actually a lot of the time it's the individual team that they're working for. It's that that's important. So certainly a manager can make a huge difference. Um, an individual reaching out personally, making it personal. So ideally, they're not having the uh, recruitment process to go through online lots of clicks lots of details but actually in the first instance call this person but you need to have your criteria and your advert written really well so that you are getting the right people we all know where that could possibly go uh, so be careful with that so set the barrier to entry high to start with there is an interesting marketplace um, so you have to try different things sometimes now what the usual discussion goes with regards to how am i going to stand out how am i going to look better than a corporate i don't see how i can do that well straight away things like your reviews online yeah what what is their google review score just because you're small hmm. doesn't mean that you're not better <laughs> Uh, so I know at the moment, I think we're, we're about 30. We're, we're a sort of startup company. Um, saying that, no, we're four years old now. I keep thinking of it as a startup because of the two years of pandemic. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but they're all five-star reviews. I think there's a bit of pressure on there now for someone to actually write a four-star. I think they might be hesitant. So I'm, I'm going with that at least. But the likelihood is the corporates would never get those higher scars. So make a big deal about mm. it where you can pitch yourself against them and you can see there's no excuse to not have a six month onboarding program mm. that has detailed career plans for individuals. What's the criteria for movement up within the business? Where can they go? People need purpose. Mm. And if they could see within one business um, that they can actually develop, they can grow. And I'm not talking about the company having to grow considerably. Mm. Obviously, I work in the recruitment market and we tend to do that. We can grow very quickly over a short period of time, but the majority of companies are not likely to do that. It's about the ind individual's growth and how can they grow within your company? So where are they going to start? What support, what development are they going to get? How are you going to make them a better person? 
What's their purpose within the business? And if you can identify those elements and have a path for them, so even within their own role, they can come in, um, take an example, they come in as a trainee, they then become a consultant, they become then a senior, they then become a principal, they're then a team leader, potentially, if they want to go to management route, it might be that they're responsible for accounts, but there's some sim seniority, you can add layers to their job role. If you want to give them titles, new titles, that's great, there can be um, salary increases with that as well. My team, whenever I recruit someone, I aimed for them to have three salary increases in their first year, if I could do that, so that they're all, they can see they've really moved. And then at that point, it would be twice a year if we were able to do that. So there's lots of things that doesn't matter. You could be a team of five and you are still able to do all of those things. It's about utilizing the resources within the team of what you've got as well as externally there is so many people out there that will help you mm. um, so don't feel like you have to do it on your own now whether you pay for that as part of um, a networking group or um, a, a business group uh, that you can get a lot of information from but actually because of lockdown <laughs> there was so much connection that we were doing digitally that there are many many groups out there that uh, you can actually get involved with for free and support and again, that can help you. So don't have the mindset that, oh, well, we're never gonna get people that wanna go to the corporates. Mm. There's no reason why, depending on what that individual's needs are, that you can quite easily outsell a corporate. You've just got to identify where that mm. is. Mm. Now, one caveat to that, it's about what that candidate wants. If they wanna work for a big glossy corporate with a massive, um, location and all the extras that, that come with that potentially okay you might do things but you've got individuals now that small companies work in we work and it feels like that it's interesting you took a point that i was just about to make is a lot of people who want to be in corporates aren't right for sme space anyway it's that cultural mm -hmm. fit that you mentioned earlier it could be personality clash or the wrong values but it also is some people just you know it's very easy to recruit the wrong person and uh, there's often a mismatch. So I fully agree. I also think the experience of working within a small organization is far richer. You tend to see a lot more of the business firsthand. You learn far more things because instead of being a cog in a, a small cog in a massive machine where you might, as you say, work in a department that's great and got a great set of values and a great team, but you're still this little department in a in a massive organization. Whereas in a smaller business, you see the whole lot and it does give you that real richness of experience, which is a bit different. So uh, excellent. And I wanted to ask you about how the recruiter, so the decision maker, the, so the hiring manager or the, the owner of the business or the manager in the business, how do they make sure they make the right decision i'm very aware personally I, we do lots of this as you know as well and you know people are often feel very pressured in recruitment where you're in a especially in this really competitive market to make decisions quickly not always a good idea in my opinion if it's a mm. speedy decision so how do recruiters and hiring managers and recruiting managers make sure that they're making the right decision about a candidate I think from my experience, I, I had a team of two that I took to 11 in two years and I had 0% turnover. Every, everyone stayed and grew through that. So I can I can look at it from my point of view and I can see where people have gone wrong in the past. The starting point is having a really detailed recruitment process. It surprises me how many recruiters 
they might recruit for other people <laughs> when they come to recruit for their own team they take loads of shortcuts mm. and, and make it wrong so if you've got support as a hiring manager and you've got a hr team maybe or an internal recruitment consultant give them assessments for them to do give them questions that you want the right answers for before they get to you so make sure they've done a really thorough screening and first interview um, whoever you're utilizing to do that if it is you then you need to do it so mm. take a step back look at your recruitment process what is it that you're trying to achieve what's the position is there a job description when was it last updated because the likelihood is you look at it and it's not fit for purpose anymore if it's not been updated in the last year probably so start with that take it back and then ask yourself the next question well what what is the purpose of the role and what are we trying to achieve not just in the short term but in the long term with this person so let's make sure those elements are in there as well what about my bigger team which could be four or five people but where am I with that? This is where I love to use Belbin. I don't know if you're, you, you've utilized the Belbin team roles where you actually can assess what skills people are bringing to your team. And again, this, this helps with the diversity rather than keep recruiting the same type of people because we love them and they're great. We're missing out on some of those elements. So, so Belbin team roles has nine team roles, although one being a specialist you would bring in as and when you'd need. And three people could cover those other eight, eight roles quite easily. It's about you know, where their strengths are. But if you've got a massive gap, when you look at it and you go, oh my God, we haven't got anyone that's got those skills, then that's what you need to recruit. And that's what you need to be looking for. So again, look at the job description. Can we add some elements in there that means that we can develop that area for other people? And maybe this person could support it. So they might be new, but if they've got that skill, they could then help develop the rest of your team. Again, using that support network, making sure that you're, you're utilizing the team to their full advantage to create a high-performing team working together. And then what assessments do I need to give? So I wouldn't ever recruit, recruit someone where you've not in some way assessed them. Now, yes, you've got your interviews, but what, what else could you utilize um, to help them to do that? Again, you're testing the person's commitment to want to work for you. Don't take it so far that they're going to go, oh, no, it's too much hassle <laughs> because there is there is a there is a line at some point. But be specific. How can we assess this person to make sure um, there's a website called Talent Grader? One of our coaches, uh, Renu, runs that. And if you're not sure what assessment you need, that you can go on and say, well, look, we need these skills. It will tell you what assessments to give them. So that will help you as well. And from there, then it's making sure that the barrier to entry is is high, mm. um, because in a candidate driven market where the, the, we're short of supply, we take shortcuts, and it's mm. great for three months, <laughs> and then unfortunately, it's we really hired the wrong person here because we jumped and we needed to cover it. So if the, you're in that situation, get a temporary, get a contractor mm. while you're recruiting. If there's work that needs to be done and there's too much pressure on the rest of the team, then use that as an opportunity and save the salary for that and take your time in the recruiting to get the right person. Because, again, you, you, you can spend months and if you're not good at confrontation and you don't want to have that discussion, it could be six months, nine months, even a year that you've had that person in the team. But from a culture point of view, it's diminished that. And unfortunately, maybe even your view um, within the team people look at you differently by hiring a bad person and leaving them in the team as well so there's lo loads of things mm. there's reasons not 
to jump and go too quickly but those assessments as to what's right how can i do this and then the onboarding pro process there's a few really key things for me in what you've just said i uh, you know, the people make some very questionable decisions and it's actually the, the damage that you can do to a business particularly a smaller business by recruiting the wrong person is quite staggering in terms of the financial damage never mind because it's the the, the invisible knock-ons we we use a thing called the law of crappy people which was a, a law formed and found by uh, Ben Horowitz, who's a very well-known um, legend in Silicon Valley, and we worked together a long time ago. So it's that's about setting the bar high and never compromising. It's actually to do with keeping your company value and increasing the value by making sure the people you bring in are only at a, of a certain level or above. So I think, yeah, I, I absolutely completely agree with what you said. I would definitely recommend short-term cover if you can't find someone and making sure you then you know why are we struggling so much in reviewing that process um you one the, the final thing i actually wanted to touch on really was about the importance of a recruitment plan because it's one of the things that uh so few people really seem to spend the right time on um my mindset is always that actually recruitment isn't a an event it's a permanent state of mind and you should always be thinking about recruits because they're so hard to find good ones so you've mm -hmm. always got your 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 antenna on if you like looking for good people but it's it's Im imperative in my opinion to have a very uh clear and robust recruitment plan. So what are your thoughts on how important is that and what do you think it should include from a, a business owner's point of view? Yeah, it's step two in my recruitment process. So take the job on, then write the plan, get it signed off. <laughs> so I, I would totally agree with that. And you're right. A lot of the times when I'm training that, people are like, we've never done this. Mm. It's an action plan. It's a service level agreement. It's all of that interface. And just getting that signature, it's not legally binding in any way, shape or form. But by people putting their signature onto it saying, right, yes, this is what we've agreed we're going to do, can make a huge difference to their commitment level. And obviously, if they're hesitating just to put the plan together, yeah, are they actually really going to move forwards on this? So if you're an HR department trying to get the hiring manager to agree to a plan and they're struggling, uh, then a conversation needs to be had. So part of that plan for me then is identifying yeah, what's going to happen, when, to what level, what's the quality expected within that. Um, so just to simplify it, it might be okay. So I'm going to take five CVs, I'm going to organize three interviews, they're all going to be done within this week, and the offer is going to be given out um, by this Friday, we're looking at start date at this time. Um, and this is when we're going to be doing the feedback calls and the update and I'm expecting two negatives and two positives from each interview so I can give detailed feedback to each person. So just by having that conversation to make sure whoever that hiring manager is, is committed to that process and realize that they have to contribute. They have to be part of this and they are going to have to put some time and effort in, but it will pay off dividends in the end because they're going to get a great person um, that really wants to join the company and they've already set that tone with them through the interview process and of course that then means that as they join they've already got a really good sense so if we're talking about the hiring manager and that's who they're going to be working with here's your opportunity to to put out your personal brand how you work what you're about and the and the level of expectation that you have for yourself 
in this process as well as within the work that this person's going to do so if you are sloppy and you miss appointments and you don't come back and, and they're not hearing and they can't get information well that's the perception they have of you and you now want this person to work with you <laughs> so it can make a huge difference um, having a recruitment plan setting out the expectations from both sides whoever it's going to be and then committing to it so put your signature on it yeah, I think I think that by it to me goes right back to that job description that you said. I think the failing we often see is that people really don't spend time clearly articulating what they want. And by making people actually write those things up accurately and with purpose rather than just being glorified wish lists, mm -hmm. then you start to get people thinking more clearly about how important recruitment is. And it gets that engagement and that commitment from the manager. So I, I view it as a a really vital part of any recruitment activity is to make sure there's a really clear process and plan in place for everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really sage advice. I, I don't want to ignore the fact that you mentioned onboarding because <laughs> it is it is a topic all on its own because it's so important. And again, it's so overlooked. I think um, this the, the whole recruitment space is one where you know we, we know that uh, lots of people have an opinion of recruitment agents and the marketplace as a whole it it doesn't matter it's such an important area that it, it shouldn't be treated in a sort of glib manner by anybody and the onboarding piece to me is a bit that often businesses again fail to realize how important that is so you can spend a great deal of time and people could work with you through your training gyms and and really become great at recruiting they can put all that effort in and it can still be very unsuccessful if they don't get the onboarding piece right as well so again why is that so important in your opinion and again with a within a relatively short frame of time what do you think should be included in in a, a good onboarding onboarding plan yes well you're right we won't be able to in a short short period of time i've been writing them for about 15 years now mm. uh for companies and usually there's about 75 80 pages of documents by the time I, i've finished it so it, it isn't a short piece it but it what the point i wanted to make is that the onboarding starts in the recruitment process mm. You are already portraying how you're going to be. And if you can share during your interview, so may maybe in the first one, yeah, that you actually share, this is an example of the onboarding that we do. Here's the schedule that you, if you work for us, this is what you're gonna go through. So six months laid out, here's what you're gonna learn, here's the assessments we're gonna do along the way, and here's what we're gonna do to support you. There's gonna be different people doing different elements. And this is, what you want to share during your interview process. Here's the career plans for the future. So, okay, maybe not this year, but it could be by the end of the year and then two, three, four, five years with the company. Get that mindset in their head is I could have a major career here. Even if it's a very small company, I could still have a major career that goes on for many, many years. And again, that's a key way you stand out from those big corporates because you know what? Many of them haven't got it or they haven't got it right or they don't talk about it. Um, so here's your opportunity to get in there and say, we might be small, but we do it right. And that will be a big selling point um, for you, for people to decide, well, do I want to go with a company that's just going to throw me into a team, like say small cog, 
and I'm just expected to get on with it or do I want to join this smaller company where actually the first six months here's the expectations already I know exactly what I've got to do they're going to support and help and train and develop me so all of that's in there and I sign off when I'm happy with it so again you're sort of covering yourself that they've had the training that they are they are um, developing along the way and if they're not happy and they haven't got it and they need another go at it that's fine they don't sign it off and it goes as part of their training program but by doing that in the interview, you can share all of that information. So whether you've got a hard copy of it, if it's a physical interview, if not, I've seen some lovely um, sort of PDF and brochures go out. Here's our engagement strategy. Here's what we do for people. And here's an overview of the, the onboarding process all set out. That, that would blow me away if I got that from a company. Yeah, You know how refreshing it is to hear someone else say words. <laughs> Why don't people realize onboarding starts in recruitment? That first touch of someone, even seeing an advert or having that first phony or email communication, that is the onboarding process because it's the first indication of what you're going to be like as a potential uh, employer to a candidate. So I, I fully support that. And I think you're right. That whole, you can set yourself apart very clearly as a smaller business by having these things right and that really will build that engagement with the candidates who you know, can sense and see that you're very serious about this and as you said you can have just as a rewarding if not more rewarding career for many years in a smaller organization so yeah on onboarding you can spend a fortune on recruiting if you don't then do the onboarding piece well as well that may well be wasted and as you say if someone joins a business where actually they aren't authentic and all of that noise and uh, the values that they presented through the process aren't real, then within a very short period of time, those new recruits will wake up, smell the coffee and decide, actually, yeah, I've been sold a line and I'm going to go and join a business that's real. And mm -hmm. particularly with the, the obviously the, the massive uh, generational changes, you know, baby boomers are pretty much leaving the workplace all the time and it's now Gen Z's coming in with very different attitudes and they're, they they aren't going to stand for being lied to or misled. They'll just vote with their feet and walk, walk away. So that onboarding piece, the authenticity, having a really thorough process, um, really are very important to uh, those SME businesses competing for these uh, rare, talented individuals in this uh, tough recruitment environment. Yeah, I, th I think um, people people can make a difference. And if you're going in, if you're as a hiring manager, you're going in with that mindset that you're going to put some time and effort into this mm. before you actually uh, engage. So don't rush into it. Mm. Hence why January, great opportunity. You might not need someone till April. Start now. <laughs> don't leave it till then because you'll end up rushing it. You'll miss mm. things. There'll be bits that you could have put in that would have been amazing and made a difference. And that person would have said yes and they'd have been happy working for you. So take the time now and think about it. Um, and again, if you don't know what you're doing, reach out and ask someone that does. Mm. Uh, that they can support and help you and fast track it for you because they'll have done it many times. Angela, I think you and I could spend a very long time talking about this subject and many others, and it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you. And thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with our audience. I hope they found them really valuable. So thanks very much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank Brilliant. you. Brilliant. Thanks, Angela.